Welcome, everybody. Welcome to Alpha and Omega Leadership, AO Leadership, and I'm your host, Wade Roof, and I'm so happy you're here with us. Um, and I'm very excited to welcome our guest, uh, Christopher Gerardo. Tell me I said that last name right. You did. Yes. Also. Oh, I didn't take you off mute. <laughs> um, so first, congratulations. You just graduated from seminary. I did. Yes. Yeah, it's a good feeling. That's awesome. Yeah, um, and you're, you're at a state of supply right now? I am, yeah, up in Clinton, South Carolina at St. John's. That's awesome. Um, that's, a, that's an exciting time. I, I remember coming out of seminary and just there's so much hope for the church and the world and, and all the ministry that God's about to do through you. Um, but you're also, you're also kind of entering into the call process too. So, I am. Yeah, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's the, as you probably know, the call process is new, uh, is changed this year sure. to where we kind of got automatically assigned back to our home synod. So, um, it's, it's a little bit different, but it's, uh, an exciting time to, to be a part of the church. Absolutely. And your, your home synod, South Carolina, South Carolina. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Um, so anybody listening out there, he is available. <laughs> <laughs> I like pina coladas. That's right. In the That's right. Uh, so a big part of having you here today is to talk about um, leadership or leading leaders. So another part of your life you do that in, though, is the military. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about how you serve in that capacity? Sure, absolutely. So I've been in the United States Air Force Reserve for about 15 years now, over That's 15 awesome. years. Um and been deployed four times in that. And wow. actually in May 1st, I got promoted to the rank of E7 or Master Sergeant in the Air Force. Um, and I've held some different uh, titles. Um, so we have a main um, job title. Everybody does in the military. Uh, Army calls it an MOS. Sure. Uh, Air Force calls it AFSC. But it's basically what your primary job is. But uh, for the past three or four years, I've held some uh, alternative alternative titles. Um, so for about two years, I was training manager for the unit. So about for about 155 folks, I managed their training. Uh, and then now I am um, kind of in the um, first sergeant um, training program. So we every unit has a first sergeant, which kind of is like a pastor for uh, a unit. They're, they're the enlisted person. So, not so only- and you're talking about chaplaincy. No, it's a little different okay. than chaplaincy. So chaplains are all officers, but um, first sergeants are kind of the liaison between the commander and the rest of the unit, okay. which are mostly enlisted. Okay. But uh, they are the person that gives out discipline when it's needed, but by and large, they're the person to whom people go when things happen, when sure. they get in trouble, when when you know life happens, um, they're deployed, and something's happening back home they can't you know, take care of right. the first sergeant is kind of their advocate. So, okay. um, I certainly, when I started that, I certainly saw some pastoral oh, stuff absolutely. in there and, and I've been doing that for about four months now. And yeah. there's a lot of pastoral, uh, gifts that I have that I'm able to use there. Yeah. So, and, and just finishing seminary and kind of having that career on the side there too, I'm sure, like you said, there, there's a lot of overlap in, in there is, that absolutely. leadership style. Yeah. yeah. What do you see that um, translates real easily. Yeah, it's um, so I did CPE a couple of years ago, like like all pastors uh, have to do. And um, what I learned there most was a ministry of presence. Sure. That, um, <laughs> I guess I kind of always am able to use words uh, to kind of fill space and blah, blah, blah. But there are some times in the hospital where words literally mean nothing. That's right. Um, and you just being there is what's most important. So I found that, you know, in this first sergeant role, um, 
we've had a couple of folks, unfortunately, of who have had some drug issues and have had to get discharged. And it, of course, has been very devastating to them. Oh, absolutely. Um, so, you know, you can't, there's no words you can say, but it's just being there um, while they're going through that process and letting them know that even after they, you know, leave the base that day, that you're still there for them. Like, sure. please give me a call. Absolutely. Let, let me know what I can do to be your advocate. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's a lot of, the layover that I see yeah. here. Yeah. Ministry of presence is such a, a I mean, it's, it's, it's everything. Mm-hmm. It's, it's just showing up. Right. Absolutely. Um, the, uh, one of my interns, um, and I've had more than one, so who knows which one it was, but, uh, one of my, my interns along the way, um, one of their first visits to the hospital, uh, they were kind of following me around that first month and, uh, we get into the hospital room and Ed, he starts quoting Augustine, I mean, like literally saying, you know, Augustine said this person's dying, and I could see on their face, like, Pastor, who is Augustine? Why do <laughs> right, I care? Yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, and so <laughs> we had we had some long talks about. Um, sometimes you just need to shut up. Yeah, like, right. <laughs> absolutely. Nobody cares what Augustine. Yeah. I mean, we care in you know our studies yeah. and these kind of things and how we craft sermons and all these things. We what Augustine said was important, not to that person right. and not in that moment. Right. It's the iceberg thing, right? So you could have. Under the surface, you have Augustine, you have Luther, sure. and you have all these foundations, and then the iceberg is that what the what your ministry, the actual action is happening. Absolutely, is, yeah. yeah. Uh, the other funny story about ministry of presence just showing up. Um, one of my best friends uh, who graduated with me at seminary. We were sitting there at the very end of seminary, and um, it's the night where they're. I, th- I guess it's baccalaureate, and they're doing. Um, uh, class uh, or those uh, like awards, awards. yeah, yeah awards yeah, yeah. and all that kind of stuff. And uh, he had to be gone for, a, I can't remember why he couldn't be there that night, but he couldn't, he couldn't have been there. Anyway, he wins one of the awards. Mm-hmm. And uh, then it was Marcus Miller's first sermon as president of the uh, the seminary that night. And he, he gets up and his titles, his, his sermon's entitled just showing up. And, you know, at that point he's calling his name out, um, is he here? Is he? Is he here? No, no. Okay, and it's just just show it up, you know. It's like, oh my so god, funny. I have never laughed so hard. By <laughs> it was good, um, but yeah, I mean, so much of life teaches us um, what we learn formally in seminary, but you know, it translates over so much. It's it it's a it's dealing with people, yeah, and it's all predicated on relationships. That's right, yeah, that's right. Uh, you know, I, I can't hardly say, I can't say this a hundred percent, but I'd say ninety nine point nine percent of ministry doesn't happen outside of relationships. You know, I mean, it's it's even the person that's coming in to the church looking for help. There's still that moment of let's build a relationship Absolutely. first. Yeah. I mean, I'll feed you, but let's let me get to know yeah. who you yeah. are. You yeah. know, God brought you to this place, or absolutely. God made you in His image. Let's let's do something with that. You know, um, absolutely. What about the um, what about the other way around? Do you see any of your military training translating back into the church? Yeah, um, like so, when you yell at people, right? <laughs> you're right. Yes, yeah, that usually goes over well uh, in the church <clears throat> from the pulpit all the time. That's right, absolutely. Um, my St. John's folks, that's not no, that's not true. Um, no, it it really is. Uh, so my first year of college, uh, I was 17 years old and flunked out um, mm. because it's not that I wasn't smart enough; it's that I just I wasn't didn't have motivation, drive, and organization organization is a huge one sure uh and my wife says 
probably I could still work on that a little bit. <laughs> um, but I, I really have seen how kind of in, in the administration of the church, uh, those things have come in real handy. Sure. Because, um, you know, especially during like Holy Week and, and those really long times during the church where you're, at the you know, you're working 12 hours a day and, yeah. and it just, man, I still want to, <laughs> I just want to go home and lay in the bed. Uh, it's, it's pushing yourself a little further to, sure. you know, this, there's something more happening than just me here. Yep. Um, and you're a part of that you're and part of and, the whole system. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's certainly something that I brought into the church. Side that, absolutely. Um, and motivation is one because I mean, how do you do something for that long of period of time? I and mean, you're you're looking to do this for your whole career. Right. To stay motivated is not the easiest thing to do on a day to day basis. Uh, you know, why do we keep showing up to this place? Um, I mean, thank God it's something to do with the spirit, right? Absolutely. It kind of pulls us back to this this job. Uh, um, but I think too to bring those two things together, I think if the relationships weren't there, if, absolutely. I mean, I, the, I mean, that's that's the drive of the motivation for me. Yep, uh, is those relationships because I've I've made friends on deployments or you know in at my unit where I I could call on those people and I haven't talked to them in years and absolutely. call on them and say hey I, I need you and they're right there for well me. and I think you can say the same for the church sure too. absolutely yeah. yeah um you know thinking about that that idea of just motivation organization those kind of things I mean um, I think about the the speeches and seminars and things that. Dabba Sweeney has talked about, you know, uh, Clemson's football coach. Um, I mean, he talks about time management being probably the most important thing he does on a daily basis. That's what leads to success. And you're like, wait a second, I thought tackling did. Or, you know, having having, having Lawrence as your quarterback, that just right, leads yeah. to success. It does right? help. Yeah. It does help. <laughs> but, you know, he, he, he talks about, you know, those relationships he has with the um, with the guys on the team, he talks about the relationships he has with the other leaders on his team, the the other coaches, and, and then time management. How do I make sure I'm at the things I need to be at, yep. uh, doing the things I need to be doing when I need to be doing them? Um, but on the flip side of that, having good time management also allows you to spend time at home or with your family or whatever you need to be doing in those other ways. Um, there was a great – I can't remember the, the, the football coach's name from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, he had a great – great um quote the other day that he told his his other coaches mm-hmm. he said if you miss a single kids football game or a band practice or a whatever else he said i will fire you he's like that is your job first Absolutely. this will always be here yeah. you know uh and so having great time management allows you to be in all those kind of places so. Absolutely, because it's not just you other people are relying on you yes yeah um, so i think that's that's why time management is so important because you know you can you can get caught up doing I don't know something for yourself, but if you're not if you're not cognizant of other people's lives, yeah, I mean you're you're gonna I don't know. No, that's exactly are right. Fall apart. Well, and and again, relationship is why you show up. It's it's what brings you back. It's it's hard to show up for people you don't know. It's easy to show up for people you know. Yep, absolutely. You know the ones that you want to see that are my friends outside of other things. Yeah. And I mean, that's a whole podcast itself, friendship and in, in the pastor. But, uh, but like, these are, these are people that are, I call friends. I mean, Jesus did. That was what was okay, so the, the gospel, the gospel yeah, last absolutely. week, you know, yeah. I call you friends now. And, and, uh, and, and there's something powerful about that. And so we keep showing up and we keep doing the hard work and we expect the person next to us to keep showing up and doing the hard work. And, yeah. and, uh, and we keep going forward. Um, no, I think you're exactly right. Uh, so, so you know, it's so interesting how our our kind of 
lives over to the side translate into ministry so well. And it's, it's, I, you know, I've heard people even in the, in the Senate office say in seminary say too, that we like people coming in that don't have religion degrees straight out of college. We like people that come in with life experience and that have done things out there and seen the world in ways it brings and informs a ministry that, that we need right. desperately. Absolutely. Um, I think about a couple of people I graduated with. One in particular, he has a forestry degree. Hmm. You know, he can tell you what every tree is in the world. That's awesome. <laughs> and I'm like, what has that got to do with this? And he's like, everything. You know, everything. Yeah. Uh, and I'm like, well, you might be right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's been neat to to go to seminary with folks who have come in with all kinds of different degrees. I did come in with a religious studies degree, um, and you know, I. I I guess in the well, academic world, I came, you know, came in with a little leg up on them. But well, but you came in with life experience true, too. That, that's true. what I yeah. was talking about. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, but their own life, I mean, and that's that's the wonderful part about being in seminary, and you know, something that I'm grieving now, having to kind of step out of that world, um, is that those relationships with those people where um, we all come in with different life experiences, and we're all kind of in, the, in we're all in the same classrooms. And hearing the same things, and then we can go outside of the classrooms and sit around a campfire or sit in yeah. somebody's living room and just talk about these ideas and, and bounce those off of each other. Um, it's such an important part sure. of seminary. Well, and and the fact that you go through something difficult with someone else, right, is what binds you together. Absolutely. I mean, you talk about your two professions here merging. I mean, we called Greek, summer Greek, you know, Seminary boot camp. Yeah. Um, you go through something hard with a group of people, you are bound to those people, right? Yep. Uh, and, yeah. Yeah. And the, I mean, there, there are folks that I, you know, I've deployed with and gosh, my first deployment was 2009. And so, you know, we still, whenever we get together, we share those stories yeah, because those sure. are those moments that, like you said, that bonded us together when it was, you know, we were in Kuwait and it was 120 degrees outside <laughs> and we're pushing 10,000 pound uh, pallets onto a plane and, um, you know, stuff happens and, you know, you just laugh about those things. Well, of course now. you do. Yeah. 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 So they might not have been funny then, but yeah, uh, <laughs> most of them were not, um, just like summer Greek. Yes. Uh, yeah. There was nothing funny about that then. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, now, did you take summer Greek or did I did not. I took it at Clemson. Okay. Um, so yeah, I don't, so you really um, did come up with a leg. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of neat. Um, yeah, we had we had some that chose to take some kind of Greek throughout the year, but mm. that summer Greek was intense, man. Um, yeah, well, and one one of the things that I was told, you know, before I came to seminary, so we moved to campus right around the time that folks started summer Greek, and but I could see how those people who didn't know each other before they started that class, when they started, like those bonds just instantly yeah. happened. Yep. What about uh, and and this is a very broad question, so I, I kind of apologize for asking and throwing you in the spot here. But like, I remember and thinking back on on seminary really more than when I was there. But there's such an arc of growth mm. that happens across that. What are some things that stick out to you about seminary that you remember going that formed me in that moment? Mm-hmm. You know. So uh, I'll tell a little story. Uh, so as I was leaving Clemson. Um, Pastor Chris Hevner, he and I were talking, and Clemson, my time there was very academically focused. Like, it was all, you know, and not to say that I didn't make relationships, not only on campus ministry, but um, my professors there, like, I still keep in touch with, love those people, but it was primary academically focused. Like, you were going to write this 22-page paper, and I'm going to grade it pretty pretty stringently. Um, And as I was leaving, Pastor Chris told me, 
just remember that seminary is more about formation than it is just about information. And that's powerful. That, and he's is, right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, now that I'm looking back yeah. on it, I know he's right. <laughs> but of course, you know, younger me rolled my eyes and said, sure, sure, Pastor Chris. Um, and I was, I was kind of wanting that, that full academic experience to keep going in seminary. And when I first got to seminary, I was, was kind of disappointed to see that it was not as academically rigorous um, as I had had an undergrad. Um, people didn't really talk about existentialism or, you know, other stuff <laughs> like that. Um, but looking back on it now, the formation of me as a whole leader in the church, as a whole pastor of all my gifts that God has given me, um, is just been invaluable sure. compared to that one kind of one track kind of thing happening at Clemson. Um, so it, a, it was the relationships I made with, with people at seminary, but it was those kind of practical moments where you, you go into a hospital room and you know, quoting Augustine is not going to matter a darn thing to yep. the person laying in that bed. Um, so it was moments like CPE and really internship, uh, is where I just grew, um, because my internship supervisor whom I, love to death, still talk to all yeah. the time, um, not only gave me space to grow, but poured into me so that I could grow. It wasn't just like, here, go get him, Tiger, but it was, I'm going to give you space to try this, and then afterwards we're going to sit down and, and let's talk about it. Yeah. Um, so it was it was processing, and that, that's the whole CPE experience is that you try something, we process it, and then grow from it, and then try something again. And right. It's right. that constant process of, of trying something instead of I read a you know 300-page book and here's my report on it. Yeah. Um, which you can only – I mean, you learn a lot from that, but those practical moments um, are, are pretty powerful. And it's the same kind of thing in the military too. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah. You, you know, you can only read uh, – Certain, you know, this is how you load a plane this way, this way, this way. <laughs> but until you're, you know, out there and um, sweating and, you know, yeah. it's it's a heavy thing to push and or you're trying to plan how the, the pallets go into the plane, uh, it, you know, and they're like, we need this like in 30 minutes. That That's when, you know, the proverbial bullets start flying. Thank God I've never been shot at. But. Well, but but I was going to say in the in the old military adage too, everybody's got a plan until that first fire, right? Yeah, you know, first bullet right. cuts yeah. loose, and 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 so to do those kind of things and to experience those kind of moments and then process them when there aren't bullets flying is is so valuable. Um, you know, I talk with our interns here all the time about we're going to give you plenty of space to fail. You know. And that I remember, and that that's a conversation that happens week one every year. We're going to let you fail. We're going to let you fail miserably, actually. And um, here's all the rope you need to hang yourself. And they look at you like, what? <laughs> but what what we go on to talk about is that my job in this too is to run some cover for you, so you can fail. Uh, my job is also to sit here with you and process all these things, um, and then to show you when I fail, mm. how that looks too, and uh, uh, and because that happens a lot. Right. Um, and, well, and, and we're so afraid of failure yes. in our society. That's it's, right. Everything is about success. It's success driven. And then if you fail, it's like people just kind of write you off. And no, that's that's how you grow. No, that's the best. Those are the most learning opportunities we have is, is these moments like that. And so, you know, internship for me was just invaluable. Um, you know, I, I kind of laughingly say, and, you know, my supervisor is probably going to be listening to this, but um, – <laughs> I learned just as much what to do as I did what not to do. 
you know, and, and those are the things I care with me more than anything else Absolutely, is this is not what I want to be, um, or not who I want to be or not how I want to do things. And, um, and then the next intern comes in and has a whole different experience in the same place, which is, which is just what the beauty of this process is. And, and I remember being in it thinking, this is, I I hate this process. (laughs) This is, this sucks. Yeah. And then, um, but then looking back on it saying, man, I hit those milestones exactly when I needed to hit them. Um, you know, I, I was somebody that, that went to college. Um, I mean, I knew I was, I was always going to go to college, but, um, but I ended up at college playing baseball and I needed to make certain grades to play baseball. And then after that, we just had a lot of fun. And, um, uh, and so I didn't take that as seriously as I probably should have. And then getting to seminary, um, you know, they don't have a baseball team. So, (laughs) you know, it's like, I'm here to work and having to kind of learn that idea and then realizing that I already had been out having a job and money and all these kind of things. And I quit all of that to, to go back to school. Like, what am I doing? And I remember those people coming alongside me. I mean, I don't mind saying Ryan Lyles, Jason Antley, Stephen Troisi. I mean, these people coming alongside of me and saying, we got you, come on, let's figure this out. And, um, and being shaped by that moment. And then, you know, later other things that would happen being shaped by those moments. And, to the point where you're you're kind of cut loose, still not knowing exactly what you're doing, um, being like, "Oh my God, I'm in the deep end now." But <laughs> but at the same time, being prepared enough to say, "I can I can make adjustments. Yeah. I can figure some things out. I can make I know how to make connections. Let me do that first. Yeah. And uh, um, and that being the place that you learn everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, you specifically have held a, a very um. Well, I won't say specifically again, but you you held a very uh, you held a certain role in seminary as president of the student body yep, too. I did. That was your whole. That was your senior year. That was my senior year. Yeah. So yeah. you did a third year internship, came back and and you were president of the student body Correct. there. So yeah. So I'd like to hear a little bit about your experience of being a leader in a place that's forming leaders. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Um, specifically. Sure. Um, yeah, that was, especially during, I mean, it was pretty much all during COVID. Um, we met, our student council met online sure. the whole time. Um, and what I found was, and I think this is true in the church, and I found this to be true in internship, is the the role of, of a leader is not to take everything upon themselves or do everything themselves, yeah. but it's to... Uh, let other people know that they have gifts to empower them to use their gifts and to to maybe identify stuff that that needs to to happen, but to say, all right, how can we do this collectively? Um, who feels moved to step up and who has the gifts to step up and, and do these things? And um, I I just think that's that's the really healthy way to do those things because as you said, all the people there are called to be leaders in the church. Yeah. I'm not the only person yes. that's called to be that's a leader. Right. Um, and you know, we had Methodist folks and Baptist folks and um, I think we had one Presbyterian person. I mean, we, it was a very ecumenical uh, group. And so even despite being in a pandemic, we got a lot of stuff done. We wrote, rewrote the constitution uh, oh, wow. of, the, of the seminary, which was Kind of an arduous process, but uh, <laughs> we made it happen, and you know, we just we did a lot of really good stuff, and uh, we set the gr- groundwork for um, folks coming in the future to to do the work. Because uh, part of what's happening is is realizing that 
you know, we're not a homogenous group. There are people of um, a lot of different races and denominations and genders. And, you know, we're kind of a, a, a rainbow of, of folks. And, and I, what, one of the things that I brought in was trying to get us to live into what Dr. King calls the beloved community. Mm. Um, and so of course that's not going to happen in a year. Um, but just laying the found foundation of that and hoping that whoever comes in the future will take that continue up. that work. Yeah. Um, Do, you know, yeah. you know, the process of, of what you were talking about, about bringing people along, about equipping them. I mean, that, it's extremely biblical, right? I mean, it's Ephesians four twelve. Right. It's to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for the building up of the body of Christ. It's, it's the very thing that, you know, 12, 13 years into ministry, that is still the driving force behind what we do. And, and, and you think we'd learn by now, um, <laughs> that that work is hard. It's harder than any other type of leadership. It's, it's, uh, uh, it's slow. It's extremely slow and why the church doesn't move very fast. Um, but it's the only way to bring, I'll say all people, but you know what I mean? Most people, sure. <laughs> it's, it's the way to bring the church with you on this journey. Absolutely. Um, you know, but we keep resorting back to saying, well, I don't have somebody to do this. I'll just do it, right. you know, and that's not always the best tactic. And and so, you know, learning when it's okay to kind of let that stuff fall. And again, failure, it ends up being a great teacher. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, do you, you know, you, you talked about being really serious through um, uh, college with academics mm-hmm. and these kind of things, just extremely focused. Um, when you got to seminary and started started feeling that collegiality coming coming a big part of the the formation process, did you find that that humor has a place in leadership? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. So, so serious doesn't always work. No. Right? Yes. Yeah. 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 And it's uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, and that's that's part of after. I mean, and we had fun in class laughing about. Sure. There was one time where. Um, and but the one of the beauties of being in class at seminary is you can really kind of try out. I mean, you can swim to kind of the outer edges of, sure. of you know theology and all that stuff. And I remember I was in Drigger's class one day. I think it was violence in scripture. I remember sitting in class. Yeah, it was such a fun class. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and I said, I think I prefaced whatever. I, I don't remember what I said, but I said. Uh, this is probably heretical, but yeah. Uh, and so he just wrote on the the whiteboard, "Gerardo is a heretic." <laughs> uh, it's just you know, it's one of those moments I'm never going to forget, and we laugh about it. But um, but humor, I mean, not only in those serious moments, certainly relationships are built. But gosh, to laugh together is yeah. such a holy place. It is a holy place. Oh my gosh, and I. You know, whenever, you know, I've done youth group uh, at, at different places before, and um, we have such a good time, and we're at, a, at dinner or whatever, and finally get our food, and we've been laughing about something and, and praying, and I thank God for laughter. And people kind of chuckle at that, but I, I'm I'm being serious about laughing. Yes, right, absolutely. Um, it's, it's just that holy place where, you know, we have, you know, you kind of look goofy when you laugh, and it, it, it you have to let some guard down to, to be able to laugh and well and, and think, let something in right too, right and so I think that's where those relationships keep getting stronger yeah. and stronger together yeah yeah for sure yeah I mean I, I tell you I, I I would venture to guess that any rostered leader that's listening to this that's been through seminary it's sitting there thinking about their their moments 
they they couldn't keep a straight face yeah, any longer. Absolutely. You know, um, gosh, and and I'll tell you, I hope I hope you never lose that either because I can't tell you how many times in the parish, standing up in front of people talking, you know, you say something that you're like, well, I didn't mean that at all, <laughs> uh, you know, or you, you something just comes out or. Um, you know, just little things that help bind the congregation together too, um, yeah. with you that, um, I think there was, um, there was one Pentecost service where the person that was supposed to be reading for whatever reason couldn't be there. And I was like, well, I'll just read it. And I jumped up, but that's one, that's one of those readings that you better practice before you do it off the cuff. And I remember getting like halfway through it and being like, and whatever place that is, and you know, and and everybody kind of laughed, and it was it was just a funny moment from you know a split second. And then we moved on with the reading, and we preached, and it was great. But I had people for weeks coming up to me afterwards saying, "Thank you so much, thank you. You didn't make me feel like a complete idiot because I didn't know how to say that right. word either. Yeah. You know, thank you for laughing at yourself. You know, um, there was a." Uh, there was one moment where the uh, organist gave me a uh, an intone for something, but we weren't there in the service yet. There was still a prayer, and I can't remember exactly what I intoned out, but I was like, I'm not ready for that yet. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> like hey, go. And, I mean, everybody, it just kind of breaks that tension sure, a little does. bit. And, um, uh, and we all have those moments, and I think to embrace those moments, not to be silly, not to be, you know, overly – you know, you're not a comic, right. you know, um, but to, to embrace those moments as a congregation together, um, I, I mean, it, it just endears each other to, you know, it does, yeah. to, you know, you each other and, um, it's, it's a powerful moment and it's, it's, and it's those places that people then give you the permission to lead, mm-hmm. right? Absolutely. Um, so I would, I would assume in seminary as all these people are like, mostly alpha people i mean not i won't say every one of them oh, right. you know but yeah. but mostly people that don't mind stepping forward and leading in some ways um start to say no Gerard, we're gonna let you lead because we trust you yeah there's a lot of trust in leadership there is, there is um i was just thinking as you were talking uh about you know like you you're reading the, uh, the acts piece sure, and, and sure. those you know People Frigida. from this place, yeah. Do, yeah, I just cannot pronounce. <laughs> but it's um, thinking about failure as a leader. Um, not only is it important for us to name that between us as leaders, but it's important for us whenever we mess up. I think to name that uh, to to everyone. Um, so I worked at sure. Lutheran for four years, and our one of the lessons I will never forget is when you mess up around a camper, or you you know sometimes. Things happen at camp, and you just a cuss word just comes out. Um, you know, we were taught don't don't just don't just gloss over it like it never happened. Yeah, address it. Say you're sorry. Say you know that was not appropriate for me to do, and then you can keep going. Because if if they if the campers just see you just oh well you know we can do that you know it's, yeah. it it goes downhill very quickly. So I think as leaders, it's very important for us to name when we've messed up. And, and, you know, that, that's where the, you can lean on those relationships, um, and say, my intent was not to hurt anybody, to hurt the church, whatever. Um, and how can we, you know, mend this relationship so that we can keep doing ministry together? Again, trust is built in that. And what you're saying is extremely biblical, right? I'd be like, confession is a massive piece of who a leader should be. And as you were, you were talking about that, I was thinking to myself, 
the people I trust in this world are not people that get it all right all the time. I don't trust those people because you know that's not true. You know, it's not true. It's what they portray. It's what they, it's the people that don't mind saying, I messed up on this. Y'all, I'm sorry. We went down the wrong path. We said something that shouldn't have been said. We, you know, acted too quickly or whatever. Um, You know, through this COVID time, for us in the church, I think it's been extremely important to say we did the best we could with the information we had at the time we had it, but we were sorry. We went too far. Or we didn't do enough or whatever the case may be. You know, I'm sorry. We're making an adjustment. And I think, um, I mean, I think back when I was playing ball in college and stuff, baseball, you know, you nobody was errorless, right? It, but the people you trusted with the ball in the ninth inning were the people that you knew might not always make the play, but you knew would they knew how to handle that mm-hmm. in those situations, how to how to make a mistake and handle that so it doesn't hurt us. You know, um, I, I think the same exact thing goes for for leadership in the church, leadership period. Um, that's where those places where trust is built. Um, and in seminary, that happens in some very specific places, right, where the community gathers together as one and worships together or gathers together around a campfire. Did, did y'all – I know this past year crazy, but overall, did you get to did you get to have those moments where people still coming to chapel, were fires happening, you know, on Friday nights where people are grilling out together? Mm-hmm. I mean, was that still happening? It was. Um, so thankfully, this year uh, Monday morning chapels were still in person. Mm. Um, of course, we were socially distanced, um, but still, you know, the rest of the time, kind of. Uh, was um, virtual, but Monday mornings uh, we were able to come together for um, for in person worship, um, and a lot of that was not only you know we had seniors or, or local pastors or professors preaching, but we had um, juniors and middlers leading worship, mm. um, and so you know they didn't always do things perfectly, yeah, right. and that's okay. I yeah. mean. I have still seen pastors who have been, you know, pastor for 30 some odd years, mess up the words to the Lord's prayer. Like they haven't been saying it for 60 years. Right. Um, and, but those are those moments. But the new Lord's prayer. Right. Please don't do that. No, God, please. I, if I hear that one more time, I go scream. But it's, but it's, it, it, we could uh, kind of, that was, that was a space where, yes, we were in front of professors who are worshiping, but I think the professors who were there set a tone to this is worship. This is, you know, this is not an evaluative time for you. This is time for you to really, this is a lab. Explore. Sure. Um, and then, uh, so starting in January, we have a new campus pastor, Jesse Kenneth Kuhn. Right. Um, I've met him already. Yeah, he's, he's awesome. He's wonderful. I worked at camp with him. Oh, that's him. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jesse, yeah. quite a while. Um, so he got us started on Thursday night outdoor Eucharist. Yep. So in January, of course, it was kind of cold doing that. So we have had a campfire the whole time. Um, and then we got to, we would meet an hour before worship started and get the grill out and start mm-hmm. grilling and be outside. And, um, and by that time, most people were vaccinated. Um, so it just, it, that community really started to ramp up. Um, so we would eat together and laugh as we've been talking yeah. about, and then gather around the campfire and have a different kind of more camp style kind of worship. And then to have Eucharist together sure. is just, ugh. 
uh, was so good because um, a lot of us in our worshiping communities haven't had Eucharist for absolutely gosh, you know a year or more. Um, so yeah, that that stuff is is still happening, and and Jesse, of course, is one of those people that that's not the Jesse show. Um, yeah. So he invites yeah, yeah. as many people to um, to do it. And it, it there's no sermon, uh, so we would read the psalm and then um, just talk about what kind of lectio divina, what what mm-hmm. stuck out to us. Um, it's, it's really good. It's stuff. really powerful. Yeah. Too. And it's going to keep happening during Maymester. So oh, even though good. I'm not a student there anymore, now are you still living on campus. I am good. Yeah, good. I'm glad they're able to figure some of that stuff out. Me too. too. Yeah. So that's been good. So whenever uh, they said that we can stay there until we find our first call, which is kind of nice. That's awesome. Instead of, you know, having to move multiple times. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I watch people do that. It's, it's, it's gut wrenching sometimes. Um, it's it's a process that ends up working. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually. That's about yeah. all I can say. Uh, it, you know, it's the imperfect process that works kind of perfectly. Yeah. Um, you know, I can't tell. Uh, you know, I, I think I was telling you before we hit record that you know graduation was may my ordination was october and you're just there are days that you know it's like god did you forget about me right yeah. you know like what is happening yeah. here um but then we kind of ended up exactly where yeah. we were supposed yeah. to end up and and you're just like well okay yeah okay funny how that happens. Yeah, the same kind of thing happened to me with the internship not timing wise but i was I knew some internship sites and I, I had my heart set on a couple of places and I was like, it's going to be so great. They're like downtown and, you know, a big area. Sure. And, uh, I, <laughs> they were like, uh, and Christopher, you're going to, uh, rural Virginia. And I was like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> um, but gosh, that's, that's the place I was meant to be is an ecumenical place. And, um, the pastor there, he and I, I mean, my supervisor was, um, I, you know, I only worked with him for a year, but I, trust yeah. him a oh, lot i i remember and i'm not sure how they did this with y'all but um they got our whole class into a room mm-hmm. and handed out envelopes yep. and you know i remember going outside to open mine and calling my wife because she couldn't for whatever reason she wasn't there mm-hmm. with me that night and ed uh i called her ed and was like okay here we go they did the same thing when they told us what region and then mm. synod we had gotten well that was back when we were drafted into it you know yeah. but uh um you know just nerve-wracking and all this because I, re- I remember and i'm not sure i think i know who it was but they were way behind me so i don't actually know who it was but um but i remember hearing the f word dropped you know and like <laughs> oh crap you know like this yeah. uh, this uh, this might not be. but then they turned out to love it sure to love it yeah. but you know in that moment you have no context right what does this mean? Right. So, so give a little bit of context because you had an internship kind of like no other, mm-hmm. right? Um, your church is a, a very special place. Talk about yeah, the setup and the setting. Yeah, a yeah. Bit. So uh, it's rural Virginia. It's um, maybe 30 to 45 minutes, depending on traffic over the mountain uh, fast drive, <laughs> outside yeah. of uh, Roanoke, southeast <laughs> of Roanoke. And so these people, uh, so there was a lake that was built there, man-made lake in the 60s. Um, and so it was very rural and it kind of became a place where people were retired to mm-hmm. kind of like Lake Kiwi in the upstate of, sure. Yep. Knows that. So, uh, in the eighties, um, there were Presbyterians, uh, Lutherans and Episcopalians who on Thursday mornings would get together for Bible study. And then on Sunday mornings, they would drive an hour to Lynchburg, drive 45 oh, wow. minutes to Roanoke or, you know, whatever they would go to their own denominational churches. And they finally realized those aren't our communities. Our community is right here. 
um, around the lake. And so they talked to their judicatories and said, this is, you know, we want to start our own worshiping community with all three of us. And apparently all three of the judicatories said, it's never going to work, but yeah, sure. You can try it. Give it a shot. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And they started their first worship service was they rented space from the Methodist church um, that was right down the road and uh, they grew and then they moved into the Catholic church um, across the, the lake and they grew and grew and now they have their own property and they have 750 members and a million dollar budget. Like, That's um, awesome. so, but it's, it's so cool that most of the people inside the church have no idea what denomination the other people are. That's even cooler. Right. Like, right. Cause usually it's, I'm going to go to my corner. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when I first met with my internship team, um, I had Episcopalians and Presbyterians and Lutherans on the team and our lunch, part of the lunch was, what denomination are you again? Yeah. I mean, they, they knew each other and they knew all, all about their lives, but. And, and they it. actually show up for the other services. Absolutely. Right? I mean, that's, that's incredible. Yeah. Um, here in West Columbia growing up here, uh, I grew up at Mount Hermon Lutheran Church, mm-hmm. which is across the street from a Methodist church and a, uh, right down the street from a Baptist church and, and everybody would always invite the others to come to whatever they were doing, but I don't think anybody actually ever went. I mean, there was probably always a little handful, sure. a small little handful that went. You know, we have here at Mount Tabor, we have, um, uh, well, before COVID, our clergy association would, you know, get together and, and share worship for Thanksgiving and a week of prayer for Christian mm-hmm. unity and all these kind of different times. And it was always so nice to see this small group of people from each church go but you never saw everybody kind of show up unless it was at their church. Sure. Then they showed right. up, yeah. you know. Yeah, yeah. And it's not that's not a knock against anybody around here. It's no. to say that's just kind of human nature. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Yeah, we're more comfortable in our own space. That's and, right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think so. So, are you, do y'all worship seven hundred and fifty people? It's it's about four hundred. That's great. Yeah, that's incredible. Yeah, it's a huge number. Um, that, and that's a great percentage of what you have there. Absolutely. Um, and so, what's what's interesting is, so they have two services. The first service is an ecumenical service, and they have Eucharist every uh, every morning for the early service, and then they rotate the late service to be either Episcopalian, Lutheran, or Presbyterian by month. Uh, and then the first Sunday of every month uh, for those is Eucharist, and so they do it the very they do it the Episcopal way, or they do it the Lutheran. I was going to say, so you're talking about so, liturgy, really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's and so, but there's a Presbyterian pastor and a, and a Lutheran pastor. Um, there's also a retired Episcopal priest and a retired Presbyterian pastor. Um, so we have, you know, it's you got your basis yeah, covered, absolutely. Yeah. Well, and I know your your supervisor was talking to me one day about. Um, about going to the other denominations and I don't want to say just getting their blessing. I want to say he was about to go in front of the Presbytery. He, yeah, he is, he is a member of the Presbytery. Oh, he did yeah. go then. Yep. Okay. And wow. he has to get from the Episcopal diocese. He has to get the Bishop's blessing. Sure. So, yeah, sure. So yeah, it's, which is awesome that, that there's a model out there for this. I mean, cause I, I, I kind of would think my response, just hearing this out of thin air is to say the same thing. The bishops did yeah. probably like, well, good luck. Yeah, right. I mean, you can try, but you know, um, but to see that that to see that people put some of that stuff away to to enter into church together. Yeah. Again, man, the massive amount of trust that these people have built 
Um, I'm so glad to hear that you know, as you're entering the church, you don't have to declare one. You right. Know, I'm sitting <laughs> right. in the Luther section. Oh. Everybody cheers. Yeah. Yay. It's yeah, like absolutely. Gryffindor. Yes. <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's, it was wonderful to be a part of. And, and we were also, uh, we coupled with them. We had two Methodist churches about five minutes either way, mm-hmm. um, but in two different counties, whatever. And the Catholic church. Um, so we worshiped with them too. Yeah. Um, I preached at the Catholic church for Good Friday. Nice um, service, and it that's just, that's a big deal. Yeah, absolutely, that's a huge um, deal. So stuff like that, I, I mean, that's I really, one step closer to Jesus coming back. <laughs> right? I, yeah, exactly. But I, I do think ecumenism uh, is is the future of the church. It's got to be. Yeah. Well, and not not even not even outside of our own denomination, just working with other people, but like inside our denomination, right. we've got to find ways to partner with each other, um, and get out of the way. And, and and so kind of to bring this a little bit full circle to sure. say we need the leaders of leaders to step up to say we've got to go in this direction. Mm-hmm. We've got to move where we're we're not splitting off from one another again because of some stupid issue right. that we can't agree on. But saying be, in spite of this issue, we're going to be one and, and and finding leaders to, to walk kind of bravely into that. Because um, it's a scary place to, to go. Oh, my gosh. Like. There's this issue. We have people that you know think this, people that think this, people that think this. What are we going to do about it? Yeah. How can we still work together? Well, and and I said this on a former podcast. You haven't heard it yet, but um, but I said this a couple couple days ago in another podcast I was doing. That is the reason I love the Lutheran Church. Our pews are big enough for red and blue to sit together. Our pews are big enough for white and black to sit together. Our, you know, and to do the very thing we're called to do first, which is be one, right? right. It, you know, to worship is one, um, to abide in, and you know, yeah. and he and us, and us and them, and each other, and all the other stuff we're supposed to abide in. Like that's our first call is is to be this community of Christ, and and. I think that the Lutheran Church provides that big enough space for it. Yeah. Right. I, I mean, I, you know, I wish I wish we had firmer stands on certain things and other things, but we can do it. We are st- we still have enough room on that pew for all of us to sit together and and so to hear about that kind of model is just incredible. Um, the 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 cool thing about your internship church is that the current intern there now and I we grew up mm-hmm. in the same church yeah. like as kids and then. Our former uh, director of music is now the director yep, of music yep. there, so it's it's such a small, so, so small, small, small Lutheran world, right? Uh, you know, but uh, and then on top of all of that, we found out that um, your supervisor, um, he's from Batesburg Leesville, and, and sang in this church. Yep. You know, um, there is a there is a great line that the the choir still laughs about. I don't know if he ever told you the story, but but he said um, he was here as a seminary and he was singing and. And the the director at the time kind of looked out there and said, um, uh, "You need to you need to sing with the crowd." He said, "Well, do you want me to sing with them or sing right, like the right notes?" You know, <laughs> <And> like, <laughs> yep. And, and I mean, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, um, you know, and I love that story because the the choir laughs about it again because they. They spent time together. Right. They went on retreat together. They did those things together, and they trusted him. They also knew he was a lot better than they yeah. were. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he knew that, too. That's so. too funny. I'll have to um, give him a hard time about that. Oh, it's such, oh, such a great thing. But um, So, you know, all of those things are to say, you know, you come back and you take this role as as the president of, of 
student body and you're you're now the leader of leaders and and to enter into that kind of ministry alongside um you know professors and presidents of seminaries and deans or whatever they're called now um you know that's the other thing about seminary that i remembered so differently about my college experience gosh it was professors here way down here you know seminary wasn't like that for me mm-hmm. it was we're all kind of colleagues yeah. and and we're we're be, we're carrying out the ministry in different ways and we're preparing each other in different ways but but we kind of take that and so leadership then becomes not a i'm way ahead of mm-hmm. or a higher you know above you but leadership in the church takes a very different place doesn't it? how yeah. do you see leadership in the church like as far as positioning yourself in the yeah, I think we're we're comfortable swimming in this this pool of hierarchy, right? Like yeah, that's just kind of how our well, society's always been, right? Yeah, uh, but it gets messy when we bring those those levels or those tiers, if you will. Yeah, evil, uh, evil, equal or level. <laughs> well, sometimes, yeah, <laughs> with each other, right? <laughs> um, and and it does get messy, but. Gosh, how, what, that's that's what the kingdom looks like. That's exactly what the kingdom looks like. So, yeah, we the professors certainly have a call, and their call is to teach. And uh, pretty much all the professors at Southern do a darn good job of it. Absolutely. Um, I love how you left room for yep, one yep. Or two. Well, <laughs> and most I of think, the students. I think, yeah, I, I think we would all agree with <laughs> right, you that right, have right. been there. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's it's that acknowledgement of each other's gifts, acknowledgement um, that – I also have gifts, so I deserve to be in this space too, um, and I, and I think yeah. that's that's something missing with hierarchy. Where I think that's well said. Yeah. So with hierarchy, you know, it's with the air pastor, you yeah. know, kind of thing. Like I deserve to be on top, kind of thing. Whereas you know, laity would go, now wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> I think Martin Luther might have something to say about that. Uh, priesthood of all believers. No. Okay. Cool. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's that acknowledgement of of each other's gifts. I remember writing about this for my approval sure. essay. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about being the Lutheran church for me yep. is, gosh, these gifts together, working together equally and, you know, not one person commanding the other person to do something or one person being in a higher place than another person. But we're all pouring our gifts into each other and into this body of Christ that we are. And that's how the body moves. That's and exactly works. right. Well, and, and. And you have a role, and I have a role, Absolutely. and those roles can walk side by side as we carry them out in their different capacities, yeah. and and how we need every one of those. I mean, gosh, if a hand were to say to the yep. you know the foot or whatever, you know, uh, it's like we've uh, read the Bible. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, it's all coming together now. Uh, but I mean, it's exactly that, you know. And um, were you sitting in on um, uh, the boundaries training? No. Did you get the, okay, y'all I might mean, have, Well, I did three years ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, they just did one not too long ago, and uh, North Carolina and South Carolina Senate got together and did it together. And, um, Bishop Tim Smith, he uh, he was walking through that passage, and he said, you know, um, what does this say about being a – and I'll let you fill in the, yep. the other body part that he threw in there. He's like um, – think we need that too you know (laughs) (laughs) absolutely Uh, it's a very different function but we need that person too yeah absolutely um and so uh uh you know that 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 really stuck out to me and i've i've 
it was a group of pastors and roster leaders that were going through this. So I'm thinking like, how does that actually preach to a congregation? I can't say what he just said. Right. <laughs> you know, like, I'll figure it out yeah. by the time it comes back around. But it's a good wisdom though. But, oh, it is. Yeah, it is. You yeah. know, and, and, um, but we all walk together in all of that stuff. And, and it, 50 years ago, you wouldn't have said that about the church. You oh just, yeah. You know, yeah. you said the pastors here or, um, you know, the church councils here, but we just, society has changed so much i mean god we are in a place like we've never been as a country as a people as a church as all of those things and um and we're in a place where authority is just being not just questioned but rejected mm-hmm. right this idea of authority and so to make these shifts as leaders i think i think people your age my age our generation says this isn't that big of an adjustment for us we've been kind of on this track of sure. of not quite trusting our authorities, you know, in, in any kind of form or fashion. But, um, but I mean, for some of our retired pastors, for some of our pastors have been doing this for 30 years or so, you know, um, you know, there's, there's kind of a way that they've carried this yeah. out. And, and, and I think it worked. I think it was appropriate. Sure, I, I'm not knocking them, but boy, they're being thrown into a time where they're having to really adjust. Yeah. Um, and for some of our older members, they're, they're, I mean, they just, they instantly look, Pastor, what should we do here? Well, what what do you think that we should do? Yeah. Like, you also have a brain and ideas and gifts. and Absolutely. Yeah. Well, and, and I'm not sure every one of our leaders, um, I'll leave that room again. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure every one of our leaders would agree with that, uh, about who the Holy Spirit works mm-hmm. through. I mean, I think they would give some lip service to it, but um, but I think we have, uh, I think we have leaders, uh, probably in every Senate, but, but especially I'm thinking of a couple now that, that I think they are pretty sure the Holy Spirit only works through them. Right. And, uh, you know, and it's like, man, gosh, how much are we stifling and missing out on what the spirit really wants our churches to be about and do? Um, uh, I know I felt that way. I'll just say this. I felt that way during call processes mm. sometimes that like, didn't the Holy Spirit work through me? I know I'm not ordained <laughs> yet, but uh, hello, I'm here. Um, but at the same time, he, Chris didn't say that. I said that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, but at the same time, what you realize is the Spirit is working through those people and you yeah, and the people. And so so to be a leader that that – that slides into that place where we say, what do we do together? We sit around a table. I have some gifts to facilitate this meeting, but why don't we talk about what, what you're feeling? And, um, and gosh, those are being the places that, you know, not always makes the best decision, but we make the best decisions when we're together Mm -hmm. as a family. Right. And, um, when we're all pouring into this stuff. Um, so, so to, I mean, it's, it's kind of the point of, of saying, Alpha and Omega leadership. I mean, it's the whole point of kind of naming this way is because we lead from out front. Sometimes we need to step up and lead from out front, but then I need to lead from behind too, right? And and Alpha and Omega. Um, And probably every other letter in there too, we walk beside. And and sometimes we just get out of the way. Yeah, no kidding. (laughs) Some of those powerful times at Mount Tabor here um, are when some of our lay leaders stand up and take a lead. Yeah. And you go, I'm not saying a word. Nope. I'm getting out of the way. Absolutely. Um, and, and I'm going to watch the spirit work of this person. Yeah. They aren't even aware of this about to happen. <laughs> you know, it's going to be awesome. So, um, so 
you're in the call process. You're you're doing some supply preaching. Mm-hmm. You're doing those kind of things. You're um, you're really testing the waters. What what are your expectations? And again, first call, you have no clue where it's going to be. Right. God's God's already worked that out, but hadn't told you yet. So, <laughs> um, so what what are some of your expectations for like year one? In in the parish, yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, just to, I, I really to go back to the beginning of our conversation is to make relationships with yeah. people wherever yep. I am, um, because I'm sure you've experienced this. But even the stories that people tell, like they're some of the coolest stories really in is. the yeah. world. Like in my internship site, I mean, there were people that work for NASA. There were people that just did all the coolest things, and you would never know it. Um, but they bring, not only do they bring those gifts and those life experiences, but they're, I mean, they're just great people to get to know. Yeah. And so just taking the time to, to make relationships with people wherever I'm called. Sure. Um, uh, not only for first call, but at any call like that, that really is where I'm going to yeah. spend most of my time. You know, I'll tell you, um, this past Sunday's gospel, you know, ends with, you know, we're called to love one another. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's the command from from Jesus and um and you know my point through the whole sermon was that you know that kind of love looks like opening our lives up and sharing it with the person next to us so you know telling those stories yeah. you know being involved in that kind of stuff where we are literally sharing our lives to the point where you know my kid runs around and I expect if they're not doing something right and somebody sees them enter into that conversation <laughs> with them you know don't just say I'm gonna tell your daddy um talk with them yeah you know enter into their lives in such a way that you're you're helping raise our kids you know and and us yours and um and so i kind of started the sermon off by saying the greatest gift as a pastor um that i feel like i've received in the ministry is the gift of people's permission to just be with them at the highest points of their lives and the lowest Mm -hmm. points of their lives um you know i i tell every person um well, I don't tell them. I tell their family members because they're dead. But um, at, at their funeral, that is the greatest honor that you let me be a part of that. You know, I mean, you could have just called the funeral home and they could have just stuck somebody up there. Right. I mean, yeah. and a lot of people do that. Um, but you gave me the honor of saying the last words over this person and around this person. And in and the great honor, a part of that is obviously getting to share the gospel in the midst of that. Sure. But I hope that goes on set. Um, uh, but, but just being there in somebody's home as they've lost their mother, being in somebody's home when they, you know, just got engaged, you know, those kind of things, like we're having a baby and we told my mom, my dad, my pastor, you know, these kind of things, like that's, that's an amazing thing that people allow you in their lives for that. And so, you know, what, what if we were to create this place? And do the hard work of creating a place where not just the pastor does that, but we do that with each other. Absolutely. And that's what happens. I mean, you were kind of talking about laughing and how holy that is. I mean, that's why coffee hour is so important. And that's the thing we've missed. Yeah. I mean, we've done worship. We've done it. We've done it online. We've done it in person. We've, we're, we're doing worship. Um, we're doing a lot of things. We have not, at least at Mount Tabor, we have not come back into that fellowship mode yet. And I don't know if your church is yet yeah, or not. not yet. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, but that's kind of the last piece and we scheduled our first now is protocoled out the yin yang. Like, <laughs> like I hate it. You know, like you're like, Oh God, but, but you know what? We've, 
we're doing it though. Yeah. We're going to do it. We're going to do the best we can, and then we're going to figure out what works and what doesn't work, and process it like we've talked about. Absolutely, yeah. And uh, and make adjustments to it. But but we've scheduled it, and people are excited. Sure, you know, yeah. like oh my gosh, and we're eating barbecue. Oh, oh my gosh, yeah. what are you talking about? <laughs> like it's going to be awesome. Um, we just we just hired a new um, music director. Okay, and uh, and. You know, to celebrate him being here, Kevin's awesome, and so to get, let the congregation know how awesome he is. Um, you know, to, for all of that to happen, that's the piece that we've missed. But that's the piece that I think is going to bring people back. Mm-hmm. Um, is that part of sharing our life with each other? Um, Jesus is here; he hasn't left. Right. You know, yeah. none of that's changed. Absolutely. How we engage each other has, and when that, and I don't want to say gets back to normal, but when we've reached this whatever new normal this is. That's the thing that energizes the church. It's the thing that makes us the church, right? Uh, right. Outside of you know, Jesus. But, <laughs> <laughs> but again, I hope all that absolutely. stuff goes Given. Yeah, absolutely. So um, uh, well, that's fine. Um, you have some great life things happening to you too. Absolutely. You're about to have a baby? Yeah, September 23rd. That's awesome. Yeah, we actually just went to the doctor today and had our anatomy scan. So Awesome. Yeah, he looks perfect and All actually a couple and days a little ahead of schedule. Oh, he's so, cooking good. Yeah, he's he's big and he was moving around a lot. That's so, awesome. Yeah, we're Congratulations, Thank man. You. So your life's about to just Turn, turn <laughs> totally changed, down. right that's right you're gonna get a call and a baby just do everything one why time, not right yeah. why not man how lucky a church is though to get that yeah that's and exciting us, us to be lucky to have you know a, a community to dode that's right to dode on us so that's right about that. that's exactly right well we're an hour into this this thing goes by so fast it all does, the time yeah. and there's so much more we could probably talk about so i'm going to ask you on the air in front of everybody will you please come back absolutely good absolutely good i Thank appreciate you for it. having me thanks for being here and um and you know just thanks for being awesome yes so, sir all right i'm gonna leave you with um as always y'all get tired of hearing me say this but i'm gonna leave you with derek dove and the peacekeepers they're an awesome band he's my friend and he has cut loose uh and give us permission to use all his music so um so we thank him and we ask you to go look him up on youtube derek dove and the peacekeepers uh and i think he's playing bob seger here so it's a lot of <laughs> permissions that have to happen but but anyway thanks for giving us permission and um we'll see y'all next time thanks everybody of my 69 Chevy I'm working on mysteries without any clues 